Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where people from all over the world share their unique travel adventures, experiences, perspectives, pieces of advice, and ways of living life to the fullest. I am your host, Lee Thornquist, and thank you for listening. Today's episode is part two of two of my interview with Sophia Iaquinta. Sophia is currently traveling around Asia for four months, and at the time of this interview, she was in Myanmar, uh, which is formerly known as Burma. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the first part, I recommend going back listening to that first. Um, we do talk a lot about the country of Myanmar, as well as the Lantern Festival in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and some must-have travel apps and resources for anyone on the road. Uh, It's not absolutely necessary to listen to it first. We do discuss different topics in this one, but it probably would help with some of the context and just getting to know Sophia better. So, in this episode, you will hear more about Sophia's story, and she gives some really valuable travel advice such as how to pack light and efficiently for both females and males. Uh, We'll also discuss finding a balance between seeing many countries, but still spending enough time in one place and not just rushing to get through areas just to kind of check it off on a list. Um, We'll also get a little bit deeper and talk about not playing into our, our fears that limit us, and cause us to not give ourselves a chance before even trying something, as well as how to readapt back into your home culture after traveling for weeks or months, and much, much more in between. As mentioned in part one, you can follow Sophia on Instagram at S-M-I-A-Quinta. That's S-M-I-A-Q-U-I-N-T-A. You can also add her on Facebook, just search for her name, Sophia Iaquinta. And if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you can do so just by searching for Edge of Comfort, and the handle is edge underscore of underscore comfort. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoy part two, and here is Sophia Iaquinta. Welcome to the Edge of Comfort Podcast with your host, Lee Thornquist. Can you just kind of give a bit more background on your overall trip so far? I know you're doing a few months kind of in between um, in between some stuff back at home, so 
what was life before doing this trip? How did you come to the conclusion to actually go on this journey? And what is coming up at the end? Mm. So I... I'm originally, well, I'm originally from Nebraska in the U.S., and then I went to college in Minnesota, graduated and started working in Minnesota, um, and I have a, I got my bachelor's in nursing, I have a, a dual degree in nursing and then sociology, anthropology, um, and I studied abroad a lot when I was in college, um, and I've always loved to travel, um, but when I graduated, I took a job in the medical ICU, uh, as a nurse in Minnesota. So for the last two years, I've been working straight nights, straight 12-hour nights um, in the medical ICU in Minnesota. Um, but the, you know, the work there really still allowed me to have a lifestyle of travel um, with working, you know, I'd work six or seven days at a time, but then I'd have nine, ten days off. So I was still able to do some small travel uh, and really just kind of embedded in me how much I, I do love traveling. Um, but being in a hospital isn't ideally what I want to do in my career. And so I last spring applied to the Peace Corps and then was accepted, I believe, in like June or July. Um, and then kind of from there realized that I would be leaving. So in February, I'm moving to Guatemala for two years and I'll be a maternal and child health specialist. Um, but I kind of had this gap in the meantime where my, my lease was going to be up in August and, you know, I wanted to commit some time to my job. You know, I wanted to commit two years, but I didn't really know what to do for the months in between. And so I thought, you know, hey, I'll, I'll go traveling for four months. It's the perfect time to do it. Um, so at exactly my two-year mark at my old job, I, it was my last day. Um, and I, I actually had, my lease was up the month before that, so I lived on some French, friends' couches for a month, um, ended my job, and then flew out for the West Coast. I traveled the West Coast of the U.S. a little bit, and then was in Japan. Um, I flew to Japan and spent two and a half weeks in Japan. Um, came to Thailand for about two weeks, and then now I'm in Myanmar, and I've been here. I've been here for two weeks, but I the visa is 28 days, and I, I will probably be here for all 28 days of the visa. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really plan for that, for that one, but it's just, just happening. Um, it's interesting though, you know, when I when I first thought, oh yeah, I, I want to travel. I, you know, I'm well, I'm going to, you know, backpack for these four months. I thought, wow, that's a lot of time. I'm going to go, you know, to Vietnam. I'm going to go to Cambodia. I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm going to go to Japan. And then that's, you know, once you get to a place, you're like and you slow down and you actually take time exploring and immersing yourself into the culture, you realize it's a lot harder to say, yeah, I'm going to go here and do this. And, you know, at this point in my trip, I'm most likely not even going to Vietnam or Cambodia. So, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> so oh, wow. much for that planning beforehand. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, uh, you can have those plans beforehand but I guess, do you just know when you're in an area, like, okay, I want to stay here, and you just make that decision? Or how do you find that balance of, like, 
still wanting to, you know, you're across the world, you're near these other places that you might not have a chance to get to for a, quite a while, how do you find that balance of still hitting a good number of countries, you know, not just like, oh, I scratched off all these countries, I went there for two days, but that balance of getting to know an area and still exploring places, like enough places, at least for you. Right. So I think that is a really interesting how you kind of phrase that, you know, the idea of, you know, going to a country to scratch it off. I think, you know, a lot of people have this, you know, like idealistic list in their head of, you know, I want to go here, 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 um, and I'm going to make it happen. And I think that, you know, I have all of the, I do have a list like that in my head. You know, there are all these places that I really want to go, that I really want to see. Um, but for me, I love traveling in a place and getting to know a place. And I think when I was in Japan, I loved Japan so much. Um, and I could have easily spent, you know, the visa's 90 days. I was there for two and a half weeks. And, you know, I kind of felt at some points that I was, you know, rushing through rushing through the cities and not really spending as much time, you know, getting to know the feel of them and exploring and stuff. Um, and I, you know, I kind of felt a little, not empty, but, you know, I felt like, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to see, once I was there, I didn't get to see everything I wanted to see. And, like, it makes me want to go back, yes. But I feel like I just still didn't get, like, a full grasp, really, of everything. And so... I think for some places that you go, it's okay to, like, you know, for me, it's okay to just do those short trips. You know, I spent maybe it was even a week and a half in Thailand, in just in northern Thailand, and, like, that was more than enough for me. Um, you know, Thailand for me was a lot, way too touristy, even in the north, and, you know, I just didn't really, I liked the country, but for me, I didn't feel very connected to it. Um, but I think sometimes you get to a place and, and you just you feel really connected to it and you really want to take the time to explore everything that it has to offer um, and I think for me that's kind of what Myanmar is right now you know it's they really only started fully letting tourists in again five years ago and the country is currently changing so much you know there are a lot more tourists and I just I really want to take the time and spend it in the country before everything completely changes as tourism continues to increase in the upcoming years. Um, so I think that's why for this country, I, I just, you know, I'm taking my time to explore a lot of the different areas um, before they become oversaturated. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, tr I like that because if you do ever come back to Cambodia or Vietnam, it probably won't have well I can't say this for sure but no. you know, it probably won't have changed too much cause since they're already pretty saturated and, and whatnot but yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard I think that's the hardest thing is and then figuring out where to go you know I actually sat down yesterday finally because I can rent a computer at this lovely hostel to sit down and plan which is one of my least favorite things ever to do um, and I <laughs> I, uh, you know, was thinking, wow, you know, I still haven't even been, you know, I'm going hiking for three days in Myan up north, and then I'm going to Bagan um, in Myanmar, which is, you know, pretty much the most famous site in the country, and, you know, I, ha I haven't even been there yet, 
and so I'm looking at like at least another at least another seven days in the country. Um, and then when I started looking at the schedule, um, you know, my parents just moved to Tasmania. Uh, and since I'm going to be moving out of the country for two years, I, I do really want to go visit them in Tasmania, like kind of over the holidays at the beginning of January. Um, and so I, you know, I, I'm going to have to make a sacrifice somewhere. And at that point I realized, wow, I, I really only have like a month left after coming to Myanmar for an, on a, like, uh, unintentional 28 days <laughs> um, you know I, I didn't even plan on coming to the country when I was in Thailand I just was like oh yeah I'll go so yeah, you know you never know how it's going to change your travel is going to change and like how set I was on going on to Vietnam and Cambodia and at this point you know I'm looking at it and I'm thinking you know I, I might just go to Malaysia for the month and spend a whole month in Malaysia and really get to know that country um, because I've really enjoyed getting to know Myanmar as a whole and traveling the whole country and being like, yeah, I've been to this country. Like, I know this country, not, you know, I've been to Cambodia. I've, I've been to, you know, Angkor Wat and Siem Reap, but I haven't really been anywhere else. Yeah. It's, it's a really fine line because it's like if you go with the intention of just going to these sites and that's your goal is that you want to see these things and you want to do just these things and you're okay with that, then great good go to the country um but if you go and you you know you really want to go and you say oh i only have a week and you feel like you're still like missing like pieces of the country then i think that's where you have to like stop and reconsider and be like you know is it worth it to go to more places or is it worth it to spend more time in less places and really have a valuable experience that's kind of where I'm at right now, trying to figure out. Just after a few days in Kuala Lumpur, pretty pretty quick. Feel like I could definitely spend more time here, and especially Malaysia. Malaysia's huge. I don't really know much about outside of KL, so I'm trying to decide if I want to spend some more time here or go up to Thailand, get my diving certificate, and spend a month on the beaches diving. <laughs> Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm actually planning on going diving in Malaysia. I've heard it's better than Thailand and there are less people. So that's like my thought in actually going to Malaysia. And, you know, and I, I've heard it's expensive, but there's, you know, when you look at countries, it's like Borneo with the, you know, really, really preserved wildlife. Um, seeing a lot of that before global warming kind of <laughs> starts to chop away at everything. Uh, and climate change. Um, yeah. And no, it's it's really hard. Um, I think I've definitely realized, you know, I, you, I started and I, I really wish I had more time. I think ideally spending about a month in each country. You know, some countries obviously you could spend less in. Um, and they're, you know, everyone's different. Everyone has a country that they absolutely love. You know, I've talked to a couple people and they're like, yeah, I loved Thailand. Thailand was my favorite country. And you know, for me, it just didn't do it. Uh, but everyone has different interests and there are different things, you know, that make them feel um, attached to a country. It could be the people that they meet while they're there. It could be, you know, the order of the experiences or the weather. You know, it could be anything. Um, but I, I think that's really interesting about traveling is that every person has a different place that they, you know, really say, wow, I, I loved this place. But there aren't, there are a lot of people I've met, especially in Myanmar, they're like, that we love this country like I feel like so many people come here and then they accidentally end up spending like their entire visa here 
<laughs> Walk us through your gear a little bit. What bag, like what size bag do you have? How do you mm-hmm. pack for a trip like this? And what are some absolute must-haves, whether they're gadgets or just small things that you have found actually help out a lot? Just kind of walk us through what that looks like for you. So I have um, I have an Osprey bag. Uh, it's from REI. It's the 40, no, is it the 40 liter one? There's two um, size of Osprey bags. I believe there's like a, a 35 or a 40 liter one. Um, it's their day pack and then it's just like their day pack. Uh, it's not a backpacking, backpack looking one. It's not a tall, long one. It's more square. Um, square shaped like a school backpack um, but there are two sizes of that there's a like a 40 and a 55 and the bigger one comes with a detachable day pack on the front um, I picked my bag based on uh, international carry-on size requirements I did not want to have to check any sort of bag at any point and spend any money on putting my bag under the plane so I looked at like different regulations for airline carriers and found the general size. The other thing with online carriers is that the weight is at about seven kilograms that they say um, for carry-on. And so what I did when I packed, before I packed, I you know I read a couple blogs on different people saying packing, and just from my own travel experiences in the past, I know you know, yeah, it's nice to have nice clothes to go out in and stuff. But there are certain things that I end up wearing the same outfit anyways every day. And (laughs) so it's like, why bring more uh, when I just wear the same thing every day? Um, And I think that's a really, you know, big thing, especially if you're a first-time traveler. Or, you know, maybe you've traveled for like a month, but you think when you're packing for four months, you're like, wow. Like, I really, I really don't know what to pack. Like, I need more stuff. Uh, But you really don't especially in Southeast Asia. Um, I think the biggest thing, specifically for this region of the world, is that you can buy anything you need. Like, no matter where you travel, you can buy anything you need. Of course, some countries are going to be more expensive, but, like, realistically, if you forgot it, you know, or you want a different piece of clothing, you can find it and buy it. And then I think that's really important to remember when you're packing. Um, I... Specifically what I packed in terms of clothes, I packed like two pairs of shorts, I packed an athletic pair, and then a flowy pair. Um, But I mean, even the flowy pair I could have left and bought when I was in Thailand. Uh, But I really like this pair, so I brought it. And I brought, you know, two tank tops, uh, one pair of pants, a pair of leggings, a sweatshirt, uh, one t-shirt. I guess I brought three pairs of shorts. So I brought one specific outfit to sleep in that, like, to kind of keep it clean um, so that it wasn't, that I'm not using it for other things. Like, um, And then I brought one pair of tennis shoes and a pair of Chacos for sandals. I did bring a pair of flip-flops, but I lost those on, like, the second week. And I have not replaced them. I just have just been wearing my Chacos, and it's been fine. You know, and everyone does pack a little differently. I think for my clothes-wise, I'm pretty happy um, with what I packed. Um, I packed mostly things that were gray and black. Like, I tried to really (laughs) 
coordinate like outfits that go together and then that you could wear together with everything um, so that you didn't have something that was really obscure. I know some people really like to bring like a pair of jean shorts and like, you know, like a cute outfit um, for being on the beaches or going out or depending on your city. Um, I personally just don't really care about that. I just wear my flowy pants. Um, but I noticed some people, it's they like to have that. I think my bag, sorry, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. I think my bag total was like nine, eight kilograms, seven, seven, eight, nine when I left, somewhere in there, um, which I was actually really, really proud of. Um, I did bring, so I got, what else did I bring? Oh, so I brought like four pairs of underwear. I did invest in like nice travel underwear and then socks. I invested in some nice smart wool socks. Um, and so far I think that those two things, like the nice underwear and the nice socks are the best um, investments that I made. And there's like some of the best things that I have along because not only do they dry really quickly, you can just step into the shower with them at night and they'll be dry by the morning. Um, but also when, when you think about walking or hiking or doing things, you know, a lot of people forget about socks and cotton socks here, you know, your feet are just going to blister and peel if you're trekking like it, it, it gets wet and it rains um and the socks really help protect your feet um which is great so wait are, are in terms they... of gadgets sorry before oh, I socks? That, yeah are they is it the socks and underwear is it travel underwear because it's the material yeah i mean and you can find some other underwear that are really like light as well for women and for men um but I think I went, I forget exactly what the brand is. I got like a pair of Patagonia underwear on sale and then like an eco, like quick dry underwear for like eight bucks from somewhere. I mean, they're not the most appealing things in the world, but no one really cares when you're traveling and they stay, you know, they're really easy to clean um, and really fast to dry, which is what's really nice about them. Okay. But yeah, sorry. So gadget wise. Um, I brought, I didn't bring a computer or anything. I do have my, like, my biggest thing is I have my phone. And then I really tried to condense my chargers um, for, like, charging things. So, thankfully, I, I have, a, like, a portable charger, and that's the same, like, plug-in as for my Kindle. Uh, so that's really great because I only need one charger um, for both things. And that really helps save space. Um, so like gadgets I brought, I have a GoPro uh, that I borrowed from a friend. She was really nice to lend it to me. I have a phone. Um, I have a Kindle. Um, and then I have a portable charger. And that's pretty much it in terms of electronics. I really tried to keep my electronics to a minimum so that I wasn't having to keep track of all of these small things. Um, and I think that for me, that's more than enough. You know, I, I also have a, a journal and then a little like sur surge charge box thing uh, to plug things into, um, and that's been working. That's been working really well for me. Um, you just the less things you have, the easier it is to keep track of. So, the more cords and the more things that you have. Um, the harder it is to keep track of. It's really important to keep them in one space so that you always know where to go to grab them in your bag. 
Um, and then what else? Oh, like shampoo and conditioner. I think like toiletries is another big thing for packing, especially for girls. Um, I mean, you can buy, again, you can buy like any toiletries pretty much in another country. Um, I actually had some like bar shampoo that I got uh, before I left. Um, and I've really liked that so far. So it's just like in a little container and it lasts um, a lot longer than the liquid. And then you don't have to worry about carrying liquids with you and having them potentially leak. Um, and it, it's, been, it's been really nice. I've really liked having that like solid shampoo with me. I have like a solid shampoo and solid conditioner. And, and I've really enjoyed having those with me for the lack of carrying liquids. Um, and then what else? Oh, and then also like for girls, I think the other like nicest thing for traveling, um, like if you have your period and stuff, is the Diva Cup is is really 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 great um, to have. Uh, it saves a ton of space, and then you don't have to worry about like finding or buying like tampons or pads in other countries because, especially if you come from Europe or the U.S., where like you probably mostly use tampons, other countries don't use those at all. Um, and then you have to try and find like a pad somewhere and the, especially depending on your country like in Myanmar it's mostly like little toilets in the ground like just holes in the ground and so it's really inconvenient if you have to be trying to figure everything out when you like are staring at a hole in the ground <laughs> what was what were those called again did you say diva cups oh yeah, that's called, it's called a Diva Cup. It's just, like, a really nice... Um, so they can... You can, like... Uh, you just, like, put it in, and it lasts for 12 hours. And then you can just wash it out in the shower or, you know, um, dump it in the toilet and rinse it off, and then you just put it back in. So it, it's really, really great. It's reusable. Um, and then you don't have to worry about carrying around a lot of other stuff with you. All right. And it's really nice if you're trekking and other stuff. Um trying to think yeah i think for packing that's pretty much it oh yeah and i stole an airline blanket when i was on the, my first flight and i keep thinking <laughs> yeah i'll leave it somewhere uh but i just keep putting it on the outside of my bag and taking it with me <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah <laughs> oh I, I guess i did i did so i did bring my hammock with me um i like went back and forth it's funny because that's like one of the things that's taking up the most room in my suitcase right now is this hammock and I have n not used it yet <laughs> so so I keep so I, I thought oh yeah it'll be great while I'm on the beach like to you know use it or do it like have it and I'm really still hoping that comes true if I you know get to more of the beach areas and stuff um, but so far I, I could I could leave that at home that's where I'm at with with okay. that. <laughs> thought you would use it, haven't touched it. <laughs> yep, thought I would use it, yeah. And uh, I think there's... maybe depending on the country, I would have used it more, but in Myanmar, it's just not happening, so I just end up carrying it around everywhere. Oh, and then I have like a little bag that collapses into itself that I got for like a day pack to take along, and that's been great to have. It's like another tiny small bag. Okay. Yeah, there, there's always those things that when you're back home, you're like, oh, I'll definitely use this a ton. And then you bring with you, and then a month later, you you look at it in your bag, and you're like, oh, wow, I haven't touched that. <laughs> yeah. 
I think, yeah, I think for the most part, I, I feel very happy with what I brought. I, I use almost all of it. Um, and, you know, I, I have space. And anything, I think the other key is, like, any single thing in my bag, I would be okay with leaving behind. And that's the other thing when packing. I think some people bring really, really nice stuff while packing. But the thing is, depending on where you do laundry or what you do, like, it's, it's really easy to have stuff get lost or dirty, you know, or if something would happen to it. You know, it would be terrible if you, you know, lost your favorite ever pair of, you know, X, Y, Z, as opposed to, you know, taking maybe a, like a little less nice version that you don't really care if you lose or it gets dirty or ripped or broken. Okay. Yeah, definitely agree. It's it's better to not have attachment with your stuff because if you do need to get rid of it, it's not a big deal. <laughs> so... Um, let's talk about safety real quick. So, especially traveling solo and female solo traveler, um, like, have you been any in any areas where you've really felt unsafe, or how do you ensure that you are safe while on the road and at the parts where you are actually truly alone? Um, yeah, that's a really great question. So, I I really haven't. Um, felt unsafe uh, really really at all since I've started traveling you know I feel I feel pretty lucky there, there has been a couple instances you know where I'm just you know be a little more wary um, but I, I feel very fortunate in the fact that I haven't truly felt um, unsafe unsafe I think you know I was in you know, Japan first it's a, it's a very safe country uh, for solo female travelers um, and you know there was one instance there I think I think you do have to just be aware of your surroundings at all times as a traveler you know both male female traveling solo you know know where your things are know where you know know where you're know where, where you are kind of like try to have a general sense of where you are and like you know before you go to a country look up you know what what does like the police look like in this country you know what what would be an option like if I were in this situation like kind of proactively thinking you know if something were to happen in you know this place or if something were to happen in this country like where could I go or what could I do you know and what would what would resources be I think is something as a like a solo female traveler to maybe just like think about before you go to a place is looking at you know preemptively thinking what are what are the potential risks in this country you know what do I see as like I need to do in this country uh, does that make sense it's like you know you kind of just like preemptively think about it yeah definitely uh, but you know I, I do try you know I think when I I think naturally like when I walk or when I am places like you know I do try and stay in like better lit areas if it's late um, and if I am out very late alone, um, you know, I, I make sure I know, like, where I'm going from point A to point B. Um, it's nice to have, um, if you're out really late, you know, maybe meet up with a, with a friend or someone else just to kind of be with whether they're another male or a female. Um, but I actually had an interesting experience with this. So when I was in Thailand, I met a group of, like, three guys that I traveled with for a couple of days. And I actually said goodbye to them in the airport when I was flying to Myanmar. And, you know, I got off the 
plane uh, in Yangon and, and my you know first kind of feeling in Yangon is all of a sudden I was like, wow, you know, I, I didn't realize how, you know, almost like protected I felt the last couple of days, uh, you know, being with, you know, this big group of, you know, four of us traveling for, you know, three or four days, you, you kind of like fall into being adjusted to like feeling more secure and a little bit more relaxed and just not even, not even thinking about safety really at all or as much. Um, and then, you know, being back to being alone in a new city, you know, in a, in a very busy city, um, was just, uh, for a second, I, you know, just had to be like, wow, I have to, you know, readjust here and just really be aware, um, of my surroundings again. And, you know, just make sure I, you know, I, I kind of have an eye out for, you know, is, you know, is there anyone around me or is there anyone that is different or looks threatening I guess you could say <laughs> that's like I mean it's like that's just so broad to say I don't know I think I inherently have a, a very large trust in people um, from all cultures and all places and so I think that people inherently are good people and like usually they're not out to get you um, and that I think you know sometimes people shy away from conversation with strangers or locals because especially as a solo female they might feel like insecure or um you know not safe having this conversation you know with a random group of like local men or something but i think like inherently people are just in like you know people from different countries are interested in each other and so you have to know how to kind of address if you're getting unwanted attention and you know you, you say hello back and you talk but you are very affirmative affirmative in like what you're doing and where you're going you know no thank you like that's okay you know it was nice to meet you so yeah uh that was actually going to be my next question is like, do you have any strategies or methods to kind of deter unwanted attention? And, and when you do get it, you know, sometimes if saying no, thank you, or just being direct like that isn't enough. Have you experienced any of that? And what other ways do you deal with this attention? Um, you know, I haven't, re I've been lucky. I feel like in the fact that I haven't, uh, experienced that too much so I there was uh, I was in Yangon for there was a night and I, I was out you know pretty late by myself walking uh, through the market and just through the streets and you know there was this, this guy that came up to me and you know he was clearly drunk uh, and so he spoke some English started talking to me you know you know talking saying you know where you know where are you staying what are you doing you know, and of course, so like, you know, I'm talking to him and I'm going to answer his questions, but I'm not going to answer them truthfully. You know, where are you staying? Well, like, I'm not going to tell you the name of my hostel. I'm going to tell you the name of one that's like, you know, I saw passing by on the street that's, I know, like six blocks over in the opposite direction. Um, you know, and I think in that sense, I think that's a strategy that I use sometimes is uh, it doesn't hurt. You know, you, you don't really want to give your information away, obviously. Of, you know, where are you staying? Like, what are you doing? Let me tell you everything. Uh, that's dumb. Uh, but, you know, you can still have a conversation with someone, uh, but definitely recognize the point when, like, you need to get out of the conversations. Like, for example, in this conversation, I was talking to this guy, you know, it's like I was actually going to meet up with people uh, eventually. And so, you know, I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just walking down the street, I'm looking for my friends. I, you know, blah, 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 and then, 
I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm uncomfortable in this conversation, and so I turned and I was like, I was like, it was nice to meet you. Like, I need to go look for my friends in this bar, and then I just walked into a random restaurant, walked around in the restaurant, and then walked out. He was gone. So pretty smart. So I think you know you can definitely deter and like just leaving a you know saying bye and leaving a situation if you have that option uh, does work very well you know you know say you're meeting someone say you're you know you're busy and doing something if you if you truly feel uncomfortable in a situation um, where you're alone um, but you know it's like at the beginning of that conversation it was fine um, and. Other people probably would have, you know, continued walking with him and doing different stuff. You know, for me, I was like, you know what, I'm ready to be done. You know, I don't really want to be walking by you anymore. Um, like, please leave. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I didn't say please leave. I just, you know, said, I'm going to go here. It was nice to meet you. Um, and kind of used that tactic of like, goodbye, and then detour into a restaurant and then back out. Yeah. Um, I, th I do also think, like, it's really hard coming from the U.S. and Europe in, you know, I'm very, uh, I'm trying to, I don't know how to try to describe this. It's really hard in countries where there are still very, um, like, your female role, male role, um, and, like, perceptions of, like, how females and males should behave and act in different in society and in different places and so I think like especially here it's really interesting like culturally you know women don't show their knees they don't you know XYZ and in Buddhism like going into temples like you can't show your knees there are some like places that women can't even go into um, and I think it's a really fine line between still you know embracing your culture and like your dress and your appearance and also being respectful of the country and the culture you're in um, especially especially as a woman you know in some places it's okay to wear shorts and it's okay you know to walk around here but like in general depending on you know if you're in a smaller town or you're in different places uh, you know, usually you would wear shorts, but like, you know, maybe, maybe you're going to put on a skirt and, you know, it's not that you want to kind of concede to these like gender discrimination or, you know, what we would consider in the U.S. as, you know, like, why would you ever, you know, do that? Why would you ever conform to that? But I think, you know, it does make you safer, um, and it does, you know, show your respect in the culture. You know, it's just not, it's not something culturally that they do. You know, they don't show their knees. They don't show their legs. It's not something that's common. So I think that's, you know, definitely something to try to be respectful of, like, but still embrace your own culture when you, when it's, you feel it's appropriate. Are there any misconceptions around traveling that you'd like to put to rest? Hmm. Like in the sense of like people who don't travel and like why they don't travel or um yeah and just like what do people think of when they think of traveling that might not be true and might deter them from doing a trip for themselves? Mm. Um, I think 
especially in terms of solo travel, a lot of people think, you know, wow, there, there's no way I would be able to go to another country and be able to navigate it by myself. You know, you know, people say, oh, it's so impressive that you are going here and doing this by yourself. But there's just, like... Like, the thing is, it's like, you know, I would, people say, oh, I, I would never be able to do that. And I think that, like, that kind of, like, it's almost self-deprecation in the sense of, like, you, people aren't, don't even give themselves a chance, you know, to have that potential um, before it happens, if that makes any sense. So it's like, you know, people cut themselves off from the potential of ever going, it's like, you know, oh, I'm not going to go. It's too, it's too dangerous. Like, like that concept I just talked about, like it's too dangerous. It's too um, expensive. It's you know, I don't have the time. It's it's a lot of those general excuses for not traveling. Where the biggest thing is just getting out the door, and then once you do that, you realize how wonderful it really is. Um, and I think uh, sometimes people have a misconception that you know they're like. In, in terms of the danger, it's like, oh, like I heard that this person got robbed or that this thing happened here. And, you know, for example, in Myanmar um, last week, a girl from Texas died. Um, she was here. She was uh, doing a semester at sea and was on some independent travel with a group of people here in Myanmar and was climbing the temples in Bagan and fell off the temple and died from the fall um, and so people read a story like that and they think oh my gosh like it's so dangerous like I can't believe you know she went to this country and like she died there um, because it is terrible like, you know I'm not I'm not gonna underplay the fact that that it's it is really terrible that that happened but it's also just like weird circumstance too I mean so many thousands of people climb the tower, the um, pagodas every single day, and it's hard to know, you know, the entire circumstance around what happened. You know, was she trying to take a picture? Was she like, you know, bouncing on top of a pagoda? You know, was she not really paying attention to where she was climbing, or was she, you know, really paying full attention and it was just an accident? Um, or you know, the kind of oh, like I got robbed. I think. You know, people think this everywhere, but you can have these things happen in your home country, in your home state, uh, no matter where you are. You can have these things happen. Um, I think it's kind of the same idea and mentality in the U.S. It's like, you know, I'm not going to go here because, you know, there might be a mass shooting. Or, you know, I'm not going to do this because, you know, there was a, like, what if there's a, you know, a terrorist threat? Um, I think life will play itself out um, as it as it goes and you know you can't predict what's going to happen but things happen it's not bec it's not it didn't happen like because you went there like it could have happened anywhere it just did happen while you were there and I think that that deters a lot of people from traveling to you know lesser known countries or lesser known places it's like oh it's not it's not modern or there's not it's not safe and the thing is at this point almost every country in the world is, is fairly modern um, not every country is westernized fully, but every country is modernizing. So, I don't know if that really explains it or not, but... Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, I think, I think people have, a, have an inherent fear of all of these negative things that could surround travel, and that 
they need to kind of, you know, let go of that fear and, like, go have an experience um, to, you know, fully see how it how it changes them, you know, and how they feel. You know, you could start with an easier country, too. Like, even if you've never traveled at all, you know, be safe. Like, you know, go to, you know, Europe or go somewhere. Um, but it, it's funny, you know, I feel safer here in Southeast Asia in places than I do in the U.S. in certain cities. So it's just, you know, it's it's very it's very interesting. Yeah, and and back to uh, the the fear part because this is something I've noticed recently upon my travels. You know, um, it's like sometimes we when we find something that confirms like a fear or an excuse we're telling ourselves to not do something, it's almost like finding that example or support is like oh well here's why i can't do it uh, this mm-hmm. you know this confirms that there's no way i could do that because this one instance and you don't focus on okay well how about the thousand of other people who've done this and had a great experience just that one instance totally undermines everything else good about it right i mean it's the same concept as if you put everyone in a room and give them the same experience how everyone's going to react differently to it. It's the same thing with traveling. And, you know, how I was talking about countries, like everyone has a different country they love. Everyone has, because it might be because of experiences in the country. It might be because of, you know, the maybe a fear or different stuff. But people perceive things differently. And so they, you know, their, their lens of how they view the country, of how they view travel is, is going to be different for everyone. Um, but I think... It, especially when you travel you really have to like try to look through the lens of the people around you the people who are living in the community and like that helps take away the fear you know just because you don't know and just because you're not familiar with it doesn't mean you should fear it it means that you should try to understand how it's different and what's going on and you know why you know why you feel it's different because it's normal to someone else is there any advice that you've received either on this trip before it or back in your abroad travels that really helped you out and you'd like to pass forward? It's mm, a great question. <laughs> um, I think the the biggest advice um you know i think you know i've done solo travel before you know the longest i'd been was like a month and a half uh and well it was like and that wasn't i mean that wasn't solo travel i mean the longest i haven't actually done like long long long-term solo travel i've only done like what was it like a month a little less than a month solo travel um and i think switching over into the solo travel aspect uh some of the best it's more of just like conversations I've had is that when you solo travel it's either really easy um, you know to meet people and to make connections and to find other travelers along the way Um, but it also at the same time like if you don't go out of your way and you don't talk to anyone you can have a very solitary experience Um, and so I think you know some advice to other solo travelers is that you know don't you know don't be afraid 
to walk, and that kind of talks about the fear thing, you know, you know, be comfortable with walking up to people you don't know that are in your hostel or that, you know, also look like they're traveling, and, you know, just ask what their name is, ask where they're going, ask where they're from, because doing things with people is cheaper, um, sometimes more, more fun and less expensive uh, than always being, you know, alone. Um, and not interacting with others. It's like, you know, for example, I'm, you know, I'm taking this night bus tomorrow night. I randomly, you know, found, you know, started talking and oh, found out that there are three other people from my hostel. Some, you know, girl overheard us came up and was like, yeah, I'm taking that too. And now, you know, we're able to, you know, hire a guide and go trekking together. And that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, so I think, you know, you have to make your own experiences when you travel. And whether you choose to kind of draw back and really reflect and you know just take that time to experience things for yourself or uh, whether you decide to you know find other people um, and it, have this experience with another person um, both are okay uh, but I think you know you really have to maybe that goes back to the well-being is like find a good balance between how much you invest in like just yourself and how much you, you know you want to interact with others um, when traveling I think you know I think that's some of the best solo advice and just, just ask people and like ask local people like if you don't know people are so kind and so helpful and you know even if you don't speak the same language like just ask, like just ask people and you will get very very far and like some of the best experiences are experiences you didn't plan for and experiences that you know you weren't expecting in a day that just happened and you said yes and you know suddenly you're you know at a you know local you know Hindi festival um, or you know you're watching a parade or you know you're in a monastery and invited to a wedding it's like <laughs> you never know yeah definitely that's it's definitely true the day can take you a lot of different places yeah and like even when it's a really 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 bad day like even when you're having the worst travel day like sit and remember someone told me this once it was like you know even if you're having a terrible travel day like you know everything's booked you can't get a bus you are so tired just think about you know the privilege that you have to be able to travel um, and the you know freedom that you have to be able to travel how you like right now, um, and you know don't take that for granted. Uh, really appreciate the experiences that you're having, even when it's really hard. <laughs> and it's okay to have really hard days. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, okay, final final two questions coming up. Um, Looking, this maybe have to look ahead a little bit or think back to when you came back from abroad. But when you do return home, do you try to implement some of your habits or lessons or just general um, lifestyle things that you picked up while on the road back at home? Mm. That's really interesting. So I remember the last time, so when, when I studied abroad, I was in college, and I, I actually studied abroad in Guatemala, Nicaragua, and El Salvador, and when I, I remember coming back from that, it was a program where I, you know, essentially I was living low 
uh, low income, like low middle income for, you know, four months. And I came back to the, you know, I came back to the U.S. and I just, I had complete culture shock. I did not know how to cope. I, you know, I've, I've been living essentially in these, just, you know, what the U.S. would consider very, very impoverished places. But yet, you know, I was having these, you know, wonderful experiences with these wonderful people that I was meeting. And I, you know, I came back to the U.S. And, like, a, first of all, like, not only was the culture a shock, but also be the, the food was a shock. You know, coming back, your your diet is completely different and your, your body doesn't almost even know how to <laughs> cope with, like, the new foods in the U.S. And it's like I just, you know, got, I felt just, like, really sick and, you know, really out of sorts. Um and I think that's really common when you come back from a long travel experience, especially depending where in the world you are for this experience. Um, and I think I think the biggest thing is taking, and this is like where journaling or blogging or, you know, even if you don't journal, like, you know, just jot down notes of, you know, how you feel or different things. Because when you come back, uh, you're able to kind of, you know, look at them. And I think you want to immediately go back and you want to be like, yes, here are all my friends, like, hello. But sometimes you need, you need a couple of days to readjust and like, spend by yourself and just say, you know, okay, this is how I feel, this is different. Um, you know, you know, think before you you leave the country, before you get back to your home country when, when you're traveling. Like, think, think, you know, maybe in your last couple of days, you know, what, what did this experience mean to me? You know what? How do I feel about it? What have I learned about myself? What have I learned about others? And I think that like thinking about that type of stuff really helps when you come back because everyone's going to ask, well, what was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part? What was the hardest? What was the best? And if you can talk about it and kind of have thoughts formulated, it makes it a lot easier to say, you know, oh, you know, I, I really learned this and trying to carry over it. You know, maybe some of like the practices or things you learned about um, patience or uh, being more fluid with travel and plans not working out, um, stuff like that is like you know really kind of maintaining that thought when you come into the U.S. and don't you know not disregarding people in the U.S. or the people in anywhere in the world for how they're living or what they're doing either and their way of life. Um, because you've been living so differently, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't put other people down or, you know, say, oh, like, I, I can't believe you're doing that or, you know, I can't believe you're all sitting around on your phones. Like, it's, it's the same thing as going to, you know, another country of traveling. You really kind of have to readapt to the culture of that country. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like, take, I think it's, I mean, I haven't uh, had this experience yet, other than, like, the abroad, but taking that time to really reflect before jumping back into it. I like that. Yeah. I think I think it really helps because, as you know, it's like once you get to a place and you get moving, it's really hard to ever, like, come back and think about where you were at that point in your life. You know, so you, it, once you're back, it's really hard to go, it's really hard to think back to your travels. Like, once you're home, it's really hard to think back to, oh, how did I feel at this moment, you know, when I was leaving? Or, 
you know, what did I, you know, what are what are the things that I want to take back from this trip? Like, if you think about those ahead of time, it makes it a lot easier coming back because, as you all know, once you get used to a culture, you reintegrate so quickly, especially when it's your home culture. You know, it, it, you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to get rid of half my clothes. I'm going to, you know, only eat this or, you know, I'm going to do more of this. And the thing is, like, the culture where you are consumes you and all of a sudden you realize oh it's been four months and I haven't done any of those things or you know you know I did some of those things but now it's four months later and I can't even remember what that was like to you know what I was feeling at that moment do you do you like do you write in a journal every day or frequently or any practices (laughs) like that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, <laughs> I really try to, um, you know, and I think a lot, and it it's hard. Like I'm not in, I'm not inherently a writer. Uh, I think some people are very, you know, they are, you know, writers. Like they've always been writers. I, like I've never been a writer, and so it is almost like physically painful to like sit down and take the time out of my day to write. Um, and I haven't done it every day, but I try to, I try to do it often. And I tried, I've tried, you know, my own version of just like jotting down thoughts that I have or notes at a certain time. Um, and I think that it, it does really help and you do really appreciate it later. Um, so even if you're not a writer, <laughs> really try to do it um, because it is is really really nice to have um, you know I'm more of an idea I just like you know I like to think about things but I don't actually like to write them down and so um, it's a really good transition and a lot of self-learning to try and do that every day and the more you do it the, you know the quicker you get at kind of conveying your you, you know your feelings and your thoughts on paper yeah I, I agree I think journaling can help a lot just in yeah in multiple areas thank you well said <laughs> um, but alright kind of final question um, I've asked this to every other guest I've had on and probably will continue to ask it to every guest I have on <laughs> um, but how would you sum up all of your travels into a sentence or two oh my gosh you're just pulling out the big guns here. Okay. Um, let's see. I would say that traveling has really enlightened me to different um, ways of life and ways of living and what brings happiness and also a unique sense of self-awareness that you have by being an outsider in a different community um, in the sense that you are the I don't know like you're the traveler you're not part of the culture um, but yeah I would say I don't know I guess yeah enlightenment of enlightenment of other cultures and, and self-awareness um, of all the beautiful things in the world um, and how you how you experience them and learning how to share them that's, doesn't make a lot of sense. That's not two sentences. Maybe I should condemn. <laughs> no, that, it made sense. It, it's funny because that question 
everyone says like, like a sentence, sentences. but then expands on it like heavily. <laughs> so, but it's I so, I like that. It's so, it's so hard. It's uh, like two sentences. I give maybe make me say like five words. Maybe I could do it in five words. <laughs> five descriptors. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough question. That's why I like asking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Traveling is a lot of a lot of self awareness, and you really have to be very very comfortable with yourself and being with yourself because only you get yourself into it situations and only you get yourself out <laughs> <laughs> um, okay and I guess now final question but <laughs> uh, is there anything that I did not ask about or bring up or touch on that you would like to highlight mm. I think that um I just, I think it's really important to always just remember to be a conscious, conscious traveler, um, and to always really, you know, be aware of what the what the culture is of the country you're going to. You know, really take time to maybe look into the countries before you go to them. If you don't have a lot of awareness, you know, don't just look up places. Look up, you know, what is the religion? Why is it important to the people? what are some important historical events that have happened so that you can go and have a better understanding of, you know, maybe why people are the way they are in the country or, you know, why things are the way they are in the country. Um, and always be humbled, I think, yeah. Always be humbled while you're traveling. Terrific. All right. And how can people find you online if they'd like to reach out, maybe ask a question about Myanmar or another place, or uh, just see some of your pictures from your travels? Uh, well, currently Facebook would probably be Facebook or Instagram. I really need to put some pictures on Facebook, but alas, my social media skills are minimal at the <laughs> moment, uh, because the Wi-Fi is... Actually, the Wi-Fi has been spectacular during this conversation. Yeah, it's definitely improved, so I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> my um, Instagram. Do you want me to say it? Well, my name is Sophia Iaquinta, so it's S O P H I A, and then I A Q U I N T A. So that's my name on Facebook, or uh, I think my Instagram is like S M Iaquinta, but my name should find it as well. Okay. Okay. Right. I'll uh, I'll tag it too, or put the link in the podcast notes as well. Um, so, if you want to reach out, either search for her or click on the links. Um, awesome. Be my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, hey, thank you so much for for joining me on this. I know it took a little bit of time for us to uh, get it arranged and difficulty with Wi-Fi, but I'm glad we finally got it able to work out. Yeah, it's been it's been just wonderful since I um I'm glad I have working Wi-Fi. It's the small things, right? <laughs> it is the small things in life. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again and thank you everyone for listening. Reach out to Sophia if you have questions or want to follow her story.